Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Murder and Misery. My name is Heather and I know very little about true crime. Last season I knew nothing, now I know a little. <laughs> My name is Jillian and I'm a little bit more of a true crime expert than I was last year. True. We started this podcast so that I could learn more about true crime because Jill is obsessed and I am terrified and it's actually worked out pretty well and I haven't been too scared and so hopefully you won't be too scared either and maybe you'll learn something. If you're new to our podcast, each week Jill tells us a new story, including both local and national cases. Now let's get started with season two. Today's episode involves child death, so listener discretion is advised. Ironically, we're recording this a little later than we thought, because I had pneumonia. So I planned on recording this weeks ago, but ironically, today is actually the exact five-year anniversary of when it took place. Wow. So I just thought that was five ironic. Five years ago. Yeah. So this- 2018. Yes. This case took place on July 19th of 2018 in Branson, Missouri. In Branson? And I am pretty sure you've Close heard Close to home. I have not heard about any crimes in Branson, Missouri in 2018. We are murder and- Misery. Not just murder. Oh, okay. So I really do think you have heard of this. Oh, the duck, the duck yeah. thingies? Okay. And initially, the reason that I had chose this was... That was really sad. Yeah, but at the time, was a, with the Titanic submersible thing, mm-hmm. because I'd wanted to do this before. And so when I had planned this, this was like right at, at after the Titanic thing happened. And so... I obviously got pushed back, and now I was, like, going back through, and I was like, oh, that's today. It's literally exactly July 19th, 2023 now, so five years ago. So I thought that was ironic. But, so this takes place, like I said, July 19th, 2018. It was a hot Thursday afternoon, and the city was buzzing with tourists. I'm not honestly sure if everybody knows about Branson, I know people in the Midwest do. We've talked about Branson before. You said it's you think it's Vegas. Yes. Okay. Branson is a tourist destination in southwest Missouri. I call it the family-friendly Vegas of the Midwest because there are lots of shows, restaurants, and entertainment parks, but no gambling in Chippendales. So, in my mind, it is family-friendly Midwest Vegas. I have been to Branson more than once. Because I'm from Missouri, and when you live in Missouri, your family goes there on trips. But I just do not remember it being that great. But Jill really loves it. I love Silver Dollar City. I love Presley's. I love the Banjo Place restaurant. I I love Branson. I love Vegas, too. But I haven't been there in a while. But, like, in my mind, I don't really want to go back. Now that I have kids, I feel like maybe. But, like, like if it was just for me and Darian, I don't think I'd go back. But Jill is a diehard, so, like, she went on vacation with her boyfriend, and they went to Branson. Oh, yeah, I love, I, so, you know, like, I might, I must be missing out. I think I'm just a weird person, honestly. I totally see why Silver Dollar City would fit your criteria for vacation, (laughs) okay? I, like, I don't know if they sell real antiques there, but you feel like you're, you you feel like you're in a pastime. Yeah, Silver Dollar City is one of the bigger, um theme parks there yeah and i don't ride rides but it is set in like i don't know the 16 1700s they just are i don't know you just have to look it up yeah it's just 
it's an old, it's an old theme park there. But and they're really funny on TikTok if you don't follow them. They are actually really funny on TikTok. I like all their TikToks. They're hilarious. I and I'm them, not a Branson fan. I tell them I love them on all of their TikToks. <laughs> They've told me back a couple times, so. But this isn't about Silver Dollar City. Uh, we already said it was the Ducks. Today's episode is about one of the other well-known entertainment adventures that is popular in Branson called Ride the Ducks. It's owned by Ripley Entertainment, which is the Ripley's Believe It or Not people. And it involves tours given to guests on ducks. These ducks are boat vans originally designed for World War III that were custom built to drive on land but also go in the water. And that's what these tours consisted of. They drove around Branson talking. Have you been on one? I want to say that I was on one very young as a child. I've been on them. I do not remember, but I have always had an irrational fear of them since I, I couldn't I remember. I mean to tell you, so if you've been on the ducks, there's this one part where they go down to the water and you're riding on this thing and it's like a being on a bus, okay? Like you're like bouncing around like you're on a bus. And you are literally, you feel like you are flying towards the water and that is an unnatural feeling. Like if you're in a car and you're getting ready to hit the water, like you feel anxious. And I just remember coming down the hill and being like, this is it. This is the time. And luckily that was not the case for me, but clearly it was for some people, unfortunately. Yeah, I I want to say... I hit so much anxiety. Well, I'm sure I had to have as like, you know, maybe like two or three years old. I do not remember, but ever since I can remember, and like Heather said, like my family is diehard Branson. Like we had season passes. We would go multiple times every year. I still try to go at least once a year. I, since I can remember, have had an irrational fear of these ducks. It's unnatural. You should not be able to drive on the land and the water. It does not make sense to anybody's brain because it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I did not go on them. I did not like them. You could not pay me to go on them since I was old enough to have a choice. Yeah. So these boat truck vehicles, they drove around Branson talking about different sites and then eventually made their way to Table Rock Lake where they concluded a tour of the lake. On this specific evening, temps were around 90 degrees, even though it was nearly 6 p.m. Ride the Ducks was giving its last tours before wrapping up for the day. As mentioned before, they usually wrapped up tours on the lake, but this day they decided to tour the lake first since there was talk of a storm approaching. Two sets of ducks went off towards Table Rock Lake, but one had mechanical issues, so a third duck was sent to pick up the passengers and continue the tour. They had been aware of storms since that morning, but the sky still looked clear enough. Charles Botzell, the operations supervisor, was the one in charge of monitoring weather conditions and calling the shots if tours need to be postponed or canceled. He checked the radar at 6.28 p.m. before telling the crew to start the tour. Right as the ducks drove into the lake, a severe thunderstorm warning went out, even though the sky was still clear. This changed quickly, though. Charles was closing out at the store and apparently not paying attention to the radar as the storm rolled in around 7 p.m. while guests and crew were still in the waters. He said that he was, I don't know, counting the cash register and and locking up and stuff like that, so that's why he wasn't paying attention. But while the guests were in the water, winds picked up and the crew lowered the windows because this is, it has a canopy, it has windows, uh, it shouldn't be in water, but... The crew had lowered the windows on the dock to try and keep out the wind and rain. The wind reached nearly 70 miles per hour. 
At the same time, guests were enjoying dinner on the Branson Bell, which was a large riverboat used for dinner and shows that also sat on Table Rock Lake. Passengers noticed the ducks struggling on the water, and some even began recording while others tried to get help. Through the crashing waves and dips, the two ducks were racing for shore. One was able to make it. At 7.10, a call went out for all fire and rescue, but by 7.13, duck number seven, struggling against the strong winds and currents, sank with 31 passengers. By 7.15, another call went out, this time for a water rescue for a sunken boat. At this time, around 10 people had surfaced, but the others were, were nowhere to be found. Crew of the Branson Bell was attempting to pull people out of the water. A tourist, Wade John, was visiting from Iowa, about to board the Bell, when the storm rolled through. So him and his family waited in a shop until they heard of a small boat that had capsized in the water. Wade, who was a veteran and an, a registered nurse, jumped into action and ran to the dock to try and help the rescue. When he arrived to the dock, he saw passengers bobbing in the water, while passengers of the Bell were throwing life vests into the water. Two people were performing CPR on an elderly woman, which Wade jumped in to relieve the others, but unfortunately, after five minutes and no pulse, their attempts were unsuccessful. Volunteers from a nearby state park sent out five boats into the water and were able to rescue two, but found three bodies. By 7.33, the storm had passed, but the rescue mission had just began. Seven passengers received medical care at a nearby hospital, and eight were confirmed deceased. Responders arrived and worked late into the night, and by next morning, the death toll reached 17. Memorials and vigils were held that evening as the duck rides were closed and canceled. The shows on the Branson Bell were also canceled that day. We heard from survivor Tina... No... We heard from survivor Tia Coleman, who was visiting from Indy with her husband, kids, and extended family when they decided to ride the ducks. During the beginning of the tour, she said that the crew let them know where the life jackets were and that there were multiple sizes, but Tia remembered them saying that not to worry as they wouldn't need them. When weather turned bad, no one put on the life jackets, and she said not everyone even realized that they were in trouble when the turbulence started. She herself recalled thinking that the splashing and the waves were, quote, great. I'm sure she thought it was just adding to the experience. Tia said there was about a minute of time that passed between when she started to worry and when she found herself completely underwater. She had hit her head on what she assumed to be the canopy of the boat. She said she felt the water getting colder, which pointed to her sinking deeper, before instinct kicked and she started swimming and kicking as hard as she could. Thinking she made no progress and was about to die, she suddenly stopped and felt the water to get warmer, as she was floating to the surface. She reached out her hands and she felt people grabbing and pulling her onto a boat. She said she doesn't remember if they did CPR, but she does remember coughing up water. As she laid on the boat, she wondered where her family was, but soon learned that her husband, their two sons, and daughter did not survive. Tia was on the boat with 10 of her other relatives, of which only her and her nephew, Donovan, survived. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Three generations. That's terrible. The other victims include Bob Williams, 73, who worked for the Ride the Ducks, along with him helping serve the homeless veteran population in Branson. William Bright and his wife Janice, aged 65 and 63, who are visiting Branson, celebrating their 45th wedding anniversary. Couple William Asher and Rosemary Hammond, 69 and 68, 
who were there celebrating Rosemary's birthday. Leslie Dennison, age 64, who was visiting there with her granddaughter, whose life she saved at the fate of her own. Father and son Steve and Lance Smith, age 53 and 15, who were in Branson on vacation. And the family of Tia Coleman, who spanned three generations. Horace Coleman, 70, his wife Belinda, 69, Angela, 45, and her son Maxwell, 2, Irvin, 76, Glenn, age 40, who is Tia's husband, and their children Evan, 7, Reese, 9, and Aria, who was only 1 years old. In April 2020, the NTSB released findings of its investigation into the sinking of Ride the Ducks. Following the investigation, the Coast Guard agreed that canopies and side curtains should be removed from the duck boats, according to documents, though it was said that the employees, the crew, not the employees, the crew that was on that boat that sank were able to remove the canopy because you have to think that's literally trapping them in there, Mm -hmm. which is terrifying. Even if you did have a life vest on, if you can't get out, it's not going to do anything. Mm Mm-hmm. So honestly, I think it'd make it worse because you'd have to go like down and out. Right. And with a life vest, that wouldn't work. Right. Yeah. An investigation performed by the National Weather Service found that local meteorologists followed the procedure necessary to ensure public safety on the night that the boat capsized. However, the general manager of the Ride the Ducks did not heed the warning and unknowingly sent 17 people to their fate. On April 7th of 2022, the Missouri Attorney General and Stone County Prosecutor refiled 63 criminal charges against three employees on duty when the tragedy struck. So they had initially filed all these criminal charges, but they were um, dismissed because they had said that there wasn't proper evidence that when they had sent the boats out there that there was wind gusts enough to mess anything up. So they had refiled those criminal charges. Captain Kenneth Scott McKee and two supervisors, Curtis Lanham and Charles Balzell, the one who was supposed to be watching the weather, all face a slate of felonies that include at least 17 criminal charges each. A part of the latest court proceedings Captain McKee faces 17 involuntary manslaughter charges and 12 endangering the welfare of a child and death of a child charges. Landman and Botzel each faced 17 involuntary manslaughter charges. After the tragedy, Missouri Senate Roy Blunt also reintroduced a federal legislation to improve the safety of the boats that require the use of life jackets while on board, but it did not make it through the house. I did read somewhere that he had resubmitted it, but I couldn't find it that went through it seems like i'm sorry but it's literally just like hey like while you're on a boat in the water you have to wear this life jacket for this company like i don't understand why that wouldn't get accepted it's well the company should also just put it in place right you know yeah they really shouldn't have to have a law about that right well i will say that most of these ride the duck tours had actually like gone closed down before yeah. this had even happened but the Branson location has never reopened since this and I didn't know that y- yeah so it never reopened and because I 
as you say, like I go to Branson a lot. I was actually in Branson. This happened in July. I was in Branson in August and we went by there and the memorials and all that stuff were still there. But yeah, um, it has never reopened since then. Hmm. Ripley's Entertainment, the company that operated the duck boat rides, has settled 31 lawsuits filed on behalf of victims of the incident. The uh, final lawsuit was settled for an undisclosed amount in January of 2020. However, I, it didn't go into detail of what I know that Tia had sued, obviously, like yeah. her entire family. Absolutely horrible. I know that there was one man who worked on the Branson Bell and he actually had jumped into the water and pulled out a child and was unsuccessful in saving his life. And so he sued Ripley's for PTSD a lot of the sheriff's department and stuff like that. This was like the worst um, boat tragedy I think that's happened outside of like the ocean mm-hmm. with 17 people losing their lives. So he had said that they had never witnessed anything like that. And a lot of the thoughts and stuff still haunt them to this day because the captain that was out there was like, they had said 30 people were on the boat, even though it was like 31. They had said 30 people were on the boat. And he's like, we got out there and we could only see a couple. And it's like the the realization that the rest of them were under the water. And I have like a very, I think we've talked about this before. I have like a very scary fear of drowning. I don't know why. Well, I think there's a good reason too. But like irrational fear, like nightmare fuel, actual nightmares of drowning uh, a lot. And I remember when this happened and it just, that's one of those things that I can't. I can't imagine. I know there was a, a obvious neg- negligence with the company itself because I know they would have had to refund those people. And I'm not saying that when this guy looked at the weather and was like, oh, they can do the tour on the lake first and then everything will be fine. I know that he did not know what would happen, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, you got to put people's safety before profit. Yeah. But... Yeah, I I feel like it's hard because I do feel like it was, like, truly an accident. Like, oh, yeah. It doesn't seem like he, I don't know, because I know he had checked right before they left. And, like, obviously, yes, he missed the severe thunder war- storm warning and wasn't paying attention when they were actually on the water. But I don't feel like... The manager guy was, like, malicious in any way, shape, or form. So it makes me kind of sad that he's, like, facing all these felony charges, even though these people lost their lives. Like, obviously, that's sad, too. Um, But I'm sure that he has a hard time going to sleep every night, knowing that, you know, like, when, when you are in a position of responsibility, like, you do have to take that on. So just... It sucks all the way around, and I just also feel like he probably beats himself up and up about it, and now he has all these felony charges. Yeah. And, I mean, he's not, like, what you would think of normally as, like, a criminal. Oh, no. You know? Right. So, like, he has all these charges about manslaughter and endangering children, and, like, yes, something terrible happened on his watch, but, like, I also feel like it just sucks. Yeah, I feel like, obviously, I mean... And we live here. I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but we know that 
weather in Missouri changes on a dime. All the time. Yeah. I mean, they literally will, like, my phone, half the days of the summer says that there's, like, a 40% chance of thunderstorms literally all day, and then we won't see a drop of rain. Mm -hmm. So, it's just hard for me to be, like, yeah, that it's this guy's fault, even though he was the one that was in the position of authority to, like, call it off, because, like you said, the skies were clear all day, and... They had been hearing about the storm coming all day. Like, it just sucks. Right. Yeah, I think it's a very tragic event. Um, it really does seem like it was truly an accident, and I just feel like that makes it almost worse because we want someone to blame for it, and, like, clearly he is being blamed for it. But I feel like this truly was an accident. Right. Well, I know that they had several other incidents where they had safety concerns, especially with the canopies and stuff, that didn't mm-hmm. fall on this Charles guy. Mm-hmm. It fell on the corporation itself. And I think that's what a lot of the anger was placed towards, where it's like, obviously, you know, this guy should have been watching and stuff, but we all do stuff at work that we're not, you know, we're not completely attentive 24-7. We can't see everything all the time. But I will say that, like, when these passengers got on this boat, they were not made aware that, oh, you know, there's certain safety concerns that have been brought up before that should be addressed, but just weren't addressed because the main company, like the canopies and stuff like that, apparently had been brought up before as a safety concern because there had been, I want to say, three other incidents with the boats where people had lost their lives. Obviously, none of this magnitude. And Branson? No. Um, these are in different states because they were in okay. like I think like I don't know Georgia and all these other places, but the company as a whole, where it's like okay, well, I know technically that because of the storm did fall on on that supervisor, mm-hmm. but you have to think like oh well, you know as a whole like maybe somebody else could have made it out if they would have taken these concerns and actually done something about it. Yeah. But then or again, like the, or made people wear life jackets when you're on the water. Yeah. And, you know, I understand that Tia said that the person said that they wouldn't need the life jackets, which is what the main her main lawsuit was about. I, I, I don't know. I know that I could never put myself in those shoes. But the last time that I was on a, a small boat in Florida, I made an entire group of children cry because the second that there was a little bit of like turbulence I grabbed my life jacket and I was like holding on to it because I was like if this boat goes down I'm not waiting until last minute and um, I'm I'm pretty sure you clung to a life jacket on our boat on the lake yeah and it was a child's life jacket yeah it was I was like this is the only life jacket I have we don't have life jackets and Heather's we, like we, we have a we live on a small private lake and we just have this a little boat it's just for fishing and this there was a sun in the sky. There was there's not even enough water to have waves, I don't think, on this lake. It's really small. It's really like a pond. And Jill was like, do you have a life jacket? I was like, I only have this tiny life jacket that's meant for small children. She was like, I'll take it. <laughs> it did not fit, so she just held it in her hands. Well, and I think you were like, Jill, I'm pretty sure you could just like stand up like, in this lake. I mean, def- when we... When you're fishing, you are normally, like, around the edges. You don't fish, like, in the deep water when you're fishing. So, we only fish, like, right on the edge. So, like, it's literally... I think the deepest part of the lake that we found was, like, 12 feet deep. So, on the edge, 
It's like three feet deep. Yeah. I'll and play. Joe was just clinging to the life jacket. I was like, you can stand up here. We are literally touching trees right now. And she was just like, nope, I need to hold my life jacket. And it's not like I can I can swim to save my life, I'm pretty sure. And I, I enjoy swimming in pools occasionally. But it really is like when I go swimming at my friend's house, obviously I don't go in the deep end or anything like that. But at night, I do have like feeling of drowning. Yeah. And so I really think it is like a deep rooted fear. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I like I you're not the only person I've ever experienced that was like super scared of drowning. In fact, my mom um, didn't know how to swim until a couple years ago. She took swimming lessons as an adult, which I'm really proud of her for doing because it was really scary for her for a long time. But I mean, some people are just scared of the water. Yeah. Yeah, I, I try to avoid small boats, and that's, I mean, I really. And she was like, what are the chances that this boat's going to flip over? And I was like, I mean, I want to say 0% because one of my other friends was here. It was like right after we got the boat and she was like can I jump in the lake I was like I yeah why not you know so she jumped off the side and we didn't flip over so I was like if she can put all her weight on the side and then jump off and the boat doesn't flip over I don't think we're going over you know what I mean yeah every time with all of us literally sitting down not moving well every (laughs) every time the boat like wiggled a little bit I was just like literally she would be like oh 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 if it if it moved like an inch I was like, Jill, it's not, we could literally rock this boat as hard as we wanted to and it would not go over. I feel like I have been. I even showed her the video of my friend jumping off the side and she was still not convinced. Well, here's, like, I have been steadfast in this since we started this podcast that I do not care how crazy I look. Like, I will do whatever. Like, if it And that's me... why I got you the life jacket. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. knew that you were serious. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, if you think somebody's following you, make a scene. Be crazy. Who cares? Like, I'd rather... You know, people think I'm... Isn't that one of our shirts? Mm -hmm. I'd rather people think I'm crazy than... And end up dead. Yeah. I'd rather people think I'm crazy and cling to a child's life life jacket jacket that probably wouldn't even hold up my left thigh than not have that. And I was also... There was like a knee pad board that I was also... Mm -hmm. That I sat on that Mm -hmm. I was like, if it goes down, I'm grabbing onto the knee pad board because it's It's floatable. Yeah. So, always just, you know, be crazy. No, I mean, I really do think... I don't know. Like I said, when I was on the boat and it was like, it was not a rainy day, I was like, I, these people clearly don't have anxiety. I clearly do because I was on the water and I was like, this is a car. We do not belong here. This is not where cars belong. I am not supposed to be on the water. I'm not supposed to be driving towards the water. Like this, it just felt really, I keep saying unnatural, but like it really did. Like it just felt like we were not supposed to be doing that. So, I would definitely, if I saw waves and crashing, I would be, like, white knuckle clenching the seats because I'd be like, oh, my God, I don't know what's happening, but this is really scary. Well, also, and... I probably still, to be honest, I probably still wouldn't get up and get a life jacket. I would just be like, they told me it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, like, I would probably be, like, trying to self-soothe and, like, talk to myself. Because they're the professionals. Yeah. And they're on them every day. Yeah, so I would probably trust them. So I can see where she's coming from, mm-hmm. but also I feel like, you know, you had mentioned talk about forcing the use of life jackets, and I think that's a good idea. Right. But and also, like, Because like it's said, a car that goes in the water. But they mentioned they put up the windows, too. 
So it wasn't even just like the canopy. Like they had put the windows down. So on the boat before it sank. So they were really were like in an enclosed space. Yeah. And uh, I just, I don't know. I think there was, I mean, I, I'm not, I do not think for a second that obviously Ripley's Entertainment or the manager or the supervisors or any of these people had a single thought in their mind that, hey, like this is going to be an actual tragedy. Yeah. Obviously, I think that there's, I think all accidents start with things being overlooked. Yeah. And obviously there is, you know, there's always things that can prevent accidents, but you can't change the fact that they happened. So I think that this is just a very, very sad story. Um, definitely misery out of the murder of misery. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone was intentionally murdered at all. Um, but it is very sad that an entire family, three generations of a family. I remember seeing that story about the family that went on vacation together, but I hadn't heard about um, that woman speaking about her experience. Mm-hmm. So that's terrible that she lost her husband and all her kids. And you said it was just her and her nephew that made it, right? Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I know I keep saying, like, I couldn't imagine, but it's there's no way to imagine something like that yeah, happening. Yeah, no, it's terrible. So. When you literally are on vacation, like, you're, you're there to have fun and, like, relax and spend time with your family. And then you go on, you... You make one choice and that changes your life forever. Right. Crazy. And that's something, and I know that we just have anxiety, so we're built different, but that is something that I could see being like inherently safe doing where people aren't going to look at that and be like, oh my goodness, that's sketchy. They look at it and be like, oh, like that's a fun way to kill time. Oh, I've been on them more than once. Right. Like, my parents were like, yeah, let's go on the boat or on the ducks. Mm. You know? Yeah. I. I have been on them more than one time. I just remember the last time I was older. I don't I don't remember how old I was, but I was like old enough to be like this maybe not maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Right. <laughs> and like you ride on you ride through town so you're like going past all the popular shows and popular stores and restaurants or whatever. And then like Jill said, you like turn to go down to the lake and you're like going downhill and it's it was like I remember it being bumpy and I was like, I am gonna fly off this duck right now. And then we just and then they like wanna go a little bit fast because they wanna give you like a good satisfying splash when you get to the water. So you're like going down a little bit quick and then all of a sudden you hit the water and you're like cars sink when you hit the water. Should we be doing this? I'm not sure. But then once you, like, kind of even out, you're like, okay, this, I, it hasn't sunk yet. Like, it's probably safe. But again, that was a sunny day with calm water. I would be panicking if it was, if there was wind. Yeah. Um. This is a side note that's not related at all. But did, when I was looking at the Branson Bell, you know what the Branson Bell is, mm-hmm. how they got it into the water, they used, like, a crap ton of bananas. To get it in the water. <laughs> You're as joking. Lube. No. You're joking. They used it as lubricant because it would naturally, like, it wouldn't affect the water. It would just naturally decompose. So they used a crap ton of bananas to get the Branson Bell into the Table Rock Lake. At what point in time? Um. Why? Why was the best choice bananas? Because it's, like, it's a lubricant. 
but it isn't going to like, hurt like fish life. Like banana peels or bananas peeled? Hang on. I put or this... Or whole bananas. I... This is... And I say that I put We're all, on a tangent. <laughs> no, I put... I put all of the the links. Okay. I can read this, on my own then. This is one of the links for... It's the Wikipedia page for the Branson Bell. Would you like me to look? Yeah, because it's like... It said this specific amount, but I don't remember. Okay. Two tons. It says, oh my gosh, I'm, I am shocked. Okay. The boat was constructed at its port at White River Landing and was launched on August 12th of 1994. The boat was launched into Table Rock Lake at a speed of 14 knots, which is 16 miles per hour, on launching rails that were lubricated with two tons of bananas. The bananas were used for lubrication because they were biodegradable and would not pollute Table Rock Lake as Greece would have. The boat is claimed by its owner to be the largest ship on a landlocked lake in the United States. Bananas. I, who thought of that? I don't know, but. I'm, I'm so, oh, here's another, here's an article about Branson Boat Goes Bananas. <laughs> I'm just curious. I just want to say the reason that I brought that up specifically was because when you were talking about how you just, like, went into the water, my mental image was them throwing the showboat with all the bananas in the water. I mean, it probably was the same. It says hundreds of... I clicked on the... There's a link on the Wikipedia in their resources that says the Branson showboat goes bananas or something like that. Hundreds of spectators were on hand, and some of them helped to peel... The two tons of bananas that it would take to ensure a smooth ride from the land to the lake. The fruit lubricated three slanted rails onto which the boat was lowered. Bulldozers stood at attention in the hot sun, ready to give it a push if gravity didn't take over. But the bananas did the trick. The boat slid into the water in just a few seconds longer than it takes to say, I do. Um, if, you, if you were caught up in a conversation, you could have missed it, it says. And they all cheered. I am so confused. I love giving little tidbits that I just learned. I love that information. So that is the tragedy of the Branson duck boat incident at Table Rock Lake. That was terrible. Truly was terrible. Yeah, and I know this is a little bit of a different episode, but I do... I don't know. I think it's important to... I think, I think like, everybody heard about it, though. Oh yeah, like it made national. Over. It yeah. made national headlines. I just. I think they have them in the Wisconsin Dells, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like Wisconsin, Georgia. Um, My grandparents used to have a condo there that we would go like in Christmas time, so they weren't open then. But I'm pretty sure I saw like signs for them. I believe the only one that's left open is in like only one. I th- believe that there's only one that's left open in like Guam or. <gasps> Something. Oh my! Actually, let me look. I did not realize that this incident meant that they all closed. No, not a lot of them it's closed. It's a bad idea, but I just did not know. Uh, a lot of them closed before. So, okay, they have one in Massachusetts that's still open, and Massachusetts. In you better watch your weather. Tamaning Guam. It was the only, only two. two. It was the only two. Most of them closed. Wow. Um, like mid two thousands. Prior to the duck incident, the one in Alabama closed. So was Branson like the third one left? No. Okay. So the one in Seattle, Washington closed in 2020 and the one 
in Alabama closed in 2019. The rest of them closed prior to the duck incident. Except for the one in Kentucky, it closed the same year. Um, I just searched the original Wisconsin ducks and it says they open tomorrow at 8 a.m. That's not even, Wisconsin isn't even on here. It might be because these ones might just be the ones that are owned. By Ripley? By Yeah, by Ripley. Um, Their website is still alive. Buy now. Save 20% off. Yeah, because this one doesn't even have Wisconsin. There must be some like individual ones too. It says operating season is mid-March through mid-November, seven days a week. No reservations required. Yeah, see? I see I see signs for them. Hirschland They're family, still open in 2023, it says. Hirschland Family Entertainment Cooperation purchased the ducks in 2004 and sold a majority of the interest to an independent investor in 2012. The Branson operation was sold to Ripley Entertainment in 2017. This says the original Wisconsin Ducks is the only duck tour in the world in continuous operation since 1946. Book is still open. The only continuous one since nineteen forty six. Look, I'm not saying they're t- that they're correct. I'm just I telling if, you what they say. I wonder if they have the original boats because I think some of them started off with the original World War Two boats. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you said World War. No, you didn't. I don't know. What World I War Three. No, yeah. it hasn't happened yet. I'm pretty sure you said that though. But probably while you were stuttering. Yeah. Hopefully, whenever I go back, and, and, could you imagine if I edit it? It says World War Three. <laughs> what happened? What did the Heaven's Gate people say that's gonna happen? Oh, I don't. Twenty twenty six or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty soon. Oh gosh. If you would like to ride the ducks, you can try your luck in the Wisconsin Dells. Personally, don't recommend. I mean. I, I don't want to say that because it, I it, like it was cool. I'm not saying that it wasn't cool, but I just remember going down to the water and they were like, "Yeah, let's go fast. Let's give them a big splash." Woo! And I was like, "We should not be driving towards the lake right now." I just want to <laughs> say that I also feel the same way about roller coasters. So, I just don't I'm not a fun person. I will hold your purses while you go on the ducks or while you go on the roller coasters. I will not try my luck at them. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Anyway, Thank you so much for telling us this story, Jill. Mm-hmm. I had heard of it. I was confused at the beginning because I thought we were going to be talking about a murder, not a tragedy accident. But it was a good reminder to be safe. Yep. And to uh, memorialize the victims five years later. Well, sure. That too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Murder and Misery. Right, bye. Bye. <laughs>